Welcome to the September 2nd, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com Daily Radio Show. This is your host, Space Marine, live from the dark side of the moon. We cover the biggest stories of Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency every single day. Jumping right into it, Bitcoin's price is currently hovering just below $7,300, and in the past day, Bitcoin went as high as $7,430 on Bitfinex, and then it bounced back down to $7,200, and now we're slightly higher than that, near $7,300. Bitcoin is a whole lot higher than it was in the middle of August when it was at $5,800, so this is quite a rally already. It's up $1,500 since its lows in the middle of August. That just goes to show even in the bear market, there could be a lot of profit potential with Bitcoin. It's very, very volatile compared to every other major asset class. Jumping into our first story related to crypto volatility, is Dogecoin rallied 187%. Like I wrote an article about this for Bitcoin News when it rallied 80%, then it rallied another 100%. It went from 0.0023 cents to 0.0066 cents for a total rally of 187%. This rally has finally broken, but the thing that caused this rally was Doge Ethereum launch. And Doge Ethereum is just like Ethereum, but it has the Dogecoin brand. It has the Shiba Inu on the Ethereum coin. And everyone that had Dogecoin got... Everyone with 10,000 Dogecoin got one free Doge Ethereum. It was at that ratio. So if you had 100,000 Dogecoins, you got 10 Doge Ethereum, etc. So this made a lot of incentive for Dogecoin users to use Doge Ethereum, and now people are developing Dogecoin D apps. It's just like Ethereum, you can develop D apps, but the Dogecoin community on Reddit, which has always been very active, that's where I started in crypto. They're working together and competing on Reddit to develop Dogecoin D apps, and the whole market's been reinvigorated. It caused the beginning of a rally, and then it spread to the mainstream media that there was a Dogecoin rally, at least the mainstream crypto news, and everyone started buying Dogecoin. And a bit of a pump happened. Wales dumped in a lot of Bitcoin to buy Dogecoin, and they probably manipulated the price upwards a bit. And then when it got to the very tippity top of this rally, the whales dumped, and then all the rest of the whales dumped, and then a lot of people panic sold, and it's down about 25% from its peak. But that's still, it's a lot, lot higher. It was at 0.0023 before the rally. It's it's still at 0.0053 right now. So Dogecoin's still over 100% higher than when this rally started. There's probably going to be a lot of volatility in the Dogecoin market, though, in the coming weeks and months. It's going to be bouncing around a lot because this was a big disruption of the Dogecoin market in a good way. But yeah, it's going to be bouncing up and down. So there's lots of potential to make profits if you could try to predict that. And same thing with Bitcoin, even on a slow Bitcoin day like today, it bounced up to 7430, bounced down to 7200, back up to 7300. If you can predict the up and down movements, you can make a lot of money day trading crypto. And that brings me to my next story. On BitcoinWisdom.com and also in general, there's something called a Fibonacci retracement. And this is based on the Fibonacci sequence, which is 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, etc. It go, it's basically the previous two numbers added together creates the next number in the Fibonacci sequence. And this is a very closely related to the golden ratio, and it's a good approximation of the ratio of fractals in nature. Everything in nature is a fractal. Basically, like there's hurricanes or giant spinning things, and then there's little spinning things on the side of the hurricane, and smaller spinning things. A better example, you have a town, and then the a bunch of towns make up a city, and then a city makes up like a county, and a county makes up a state, and a state makes up a country, a country makes up the world. And it's like each one is kind of like they're kind of similar, like a city is kind of similar to a country, but it's different scales. So, fractals in nature is like there's different scales, and the Fibonacci sequence describes the ratio of the scales of the different things in nature. And even Bitcoin's price movement is determined by fractals because there's big waves and smaller waves and smaller waves and bigger waves all interacting with each other in the Bitcoin price. 
And that's what produces the current Bitcoin price, all the different waves from different mechanisms interacting with each other. So on Bitcoin Wisdom, you select the highest price and the lowest price or the lowest price and then the highest price. And you can get support and resistance levels because you take the difference between the lowest price and the highest price of Bitcoin's price movement. And you can calculate support levels. Um, so basically, if it's a support level, Bitcoin will go down to that level and then it'll go back up. It won't go through the support. If it's a resistance, Bitcoin will go up to that resistance level and then go down. But in general, the way you calculate Fibonacci sequence is like, yeah, there's resistance at support level. So it hits that resistance or support for a little while and then it goes through it to the next resistance or support. In this Fibonacci sequence, try it yourself on BitcoinWisdom.com and go to Tools and go to Draw Fibonacci Retracements. You'll see that it actually creates very accurate support and resistance levels for Bitcoin's price movement. And so all you got to do with this info is sell when you hit a resistance level and buy when you hit a support level. And it won't work all the time, but it'll work enough that you probably make money long term if you, if you do the retracements, Fibonacci retracements, and then you buy at a support level and you sell it at a resistance level. And you'll keep making money that way. And this is a really powerful tool for traders because, like I said, it deduces, elucidates the fractal nature of the Bitcoin price movement. And you get the different waves out of Bitcoin's price movement and that gives you support and resistance levels because it kind of predicts how Bitcoin's price is going to move. So I strongly recommend using Fibonacci retracement. So you can read my article about it for a more in-depth view on Bitcoin news. It's being published soon. Another story is Phil Wilson claims to be one-third of the Satoshi team, and he raised a lot of controversy with this. Phil Wilson said he was one of the earliest developers of Bitcoin, alongside Craig Wright and Dave Kleiman, and collectively they formed what is known as Satoshi Nakamoto. So he says it's not one person, it's them three put together, and he's one-third of it. And basically, Craig Wright has already come out and said he's Satoshi a bunch of times, and he even flew out the founder of the Bitcoin Foundation, Gavin Anderson, and they met in person, and Craig Wright bought a new computer and downloaded a new version of the Bitcoin software right in front of Gavin Anderson. And then Craig Wright signed a message with one of Satoshi's keys and convinced Gavin Anderson that he is Satoshi. So Gavin Anderson actually posted online, and the post remains there to this day on Gavin Anderson's website, that Craig Wright is Satoshi Nakamoto. He believes it firmly, and Gavin Anderson is one of the earliest Bitcoin developers, and he believes Craig Wright is Satoshi Nakamoto. But then Craig Wright failed to publish the signed message. Like, he didn't sign any message with Satoshi's keys and put it out to the public. He decided not to do that. So, it's like the community split. Some of the community thinks Craig Wright is Satoshi. A lot of the community thinks he's not Satoshi. And then there was the case of Dave Kleinman's estate versus Craig Wright. And in that lawsuit in Florida, there's a whole bunch of info indicating Craig Wright is Satoshi. And Craig Wright and Dave Kleinman were the first developers of Bitcoin. It shows how they work together to develop Bitcoin, and then they mined 1.1 million Bitcoins together, and that's what the lawsuit's about. Basically, Dave Kleinman died, unfortunately, and uh, Craig Wright didn't give any of the Bitcoins to Dave Kleinman's family like he should have. So there's a big lawsuit over that. But now Phil Wilson's coming in and saying, yeah, Dave Kleinman and Craig Wright. Like, he's saying that first there was electronic cash, and Dave Kleinman and Craig Wright were working on that, and Phil Wilson joined it. And he says electronic cash did not go well. So Phil Wilson split off, started making Bitcoin. And then he says Craig Wright and Dave Kleiman joined him months later. So Phil Wilson claims that he really started Bitcoin. And then Craig Wright and Dave Kleiman came in later. Craig Wright is not happy about this. He says, Craig Wright says Phil Wilson is a fraudster, scammer, extortionist, and a scam Toshi. And he had no involvement in Bitcoin's development. And he's worthless and et cetera, et cetera. So Craig Wright's really mad at Phil Wilson. And apparently Craig Wright's still going around basically saying, yeah, he's Satoshi. And he gets very aggressive with anyone else who says they're Satoshi. 
the end thing, though. Oh, yeah, there's one more. It goes even further. Craig Wright says, because Dave, no, Phil Wilson wrote a book about the early days of Bitcoin based on him being Satoshi, basically. So Phil Wilson made a book on this and published it. You can find it in my article on Bitcoin is that will be online soon. But Phil Wilson's data, apparently Craig Wright says that in 2015, a bunch of hard drives containing the early Bitcoin data were stolen. But Craig Wright says he put a bunch of Easter eggs of fake data on these hard drives just in case they were ever stolen. And he says Phil Wilson got this stolen data and wrote this book with it. And then Craig Wright says the Easter eggs are basically in Phil Wilson's story, the Easter eggs of incorrect data. So that proves that Phil Wilson actually was somehow involved in stealing hard drives full of Bitcoin data. So Craig Wright's very, very mad at Phil Wilson. It doesn't matter, though. What matters is Bitcoin was launched. It works all the time. And it's decentralized. And actually, if Satoshi was to come out and prove without a doubt there's Satoshi, like if Craig Wright actually signed that message and gave it to the public, it would be bad because everyone would be going to him and it would be a centralizing factor. And maybe, like, let's say Craig Wright really proved the Satoshi, he could, like, kind of influence the entire community to do what he wants with Bitcoin's code and stuff. So it's good that... Not only has Satoshi not come out, but there's a lot of people saying they are Satoshi, but not really proving it, like Phil Wilson and Craig right now. So we got both of these guys competing, and it makes it way more confusing and obfuscated. Like, who is Satoshi? And it's good that we can't figure it out. And it's better even if more people come out. Like, the more people that come out and say they're Satoshi and make the thing more muddled and confusing, the better, because that'll keep Bitcoin decentralized. No one will ever figure out who founded Bitcoin. And whoever is Satoshi really should stay hidden. And I'm sure the real Satoshi knows this because... They can be in serious, serious legal trouble if they ever came out and they could be, yeah, all their money could get taken. They could be a target from criminals and the government. So I think the real Satoshi is smart enough to stay hidden and that's what's really going to happen. And regardless of Craig Wright's Satoshi or Phil Wilson's Satoshi, they haven't proved it. And it's better if we never find out because we don't want any centralization of Bitcoin. We, we don't need to know who made it. All that matters is it works. Good job, Satoshi, whoever you are. On to our final story. Russia had a very small amount of Bitcoin ATMs, apparently, only 43. Compare that to the rest of the world, there's 3,600 Bitcoin ATMs, more than that, maybe approaching 3,700 right now. I wrote an article on Bitcoin, it was 3,500 with 5 to 10 more Bitcoin ATMs being added per day. Now it's definitely over 3,600 Bitcoin ATMs of the world, approaching 3,700. But in Russia, there was 43 Bitcoin ATMs, and in one day, without warning, 22 of these Bitcoin ATMs were seized across the country from the company BBF Pro. BBF Pro said they had no idea police were coming. They thought they were doing everything legally. But BBF Pro is wrecked. As the term goes, R-E-K-T, they're wrecked. All their Bitcoin ATMs are gone. But there's a bunch of money in the Bitcoin ATMs. That's totally gone now, too. So this wipes out over half, just about half. A little over half of the Bitcoin ATMs in Russia are gone. This is actually the only thing this is really going to do. Yeah, Russia's trying to say, yeah, we could regulate Bitcoin and we don't really support Bitcoin. Bitcoin's legal in Russia to the point where Bitcoin dealers could definitely deal with it. It's legal as long as they don't associate it with illegal activity. And that's simple as like you don't let your customers talk about illegal stuff. And then it's a pretty much a legal transaction if Bitcoin's legal in the country. And it is. So instead of having ATMs, which are far more regulatable, if that's a word, able to be regulated, so yeah, Bitcoin ATMs are easy to regulate. Bitcoin dealers are not. Bitcoin dealers are much harder to stop. It would be very, very hard to take down 22 Bitcoin dealers, let alone even one. They had to chase the guy down. And it would be a lot harder. So now there's just going to be a bunch of Bitcoin dealers running around Russia. There probably already are tons of Bitcoin dealers in Russia, but now they're going to be doing even better. Because everyone that was starting to use these ATMs will probably stop using the ATMs. Because they know the police could seize them at any times. So Bitcoin dealers are going to proliferate in Russia. If you're a Bitcoin dealer in the U.S. that's been put out of business by ATMs, you should probably go to Russia if you can handle it. 
I bet every Bitcoin dealer in Russia is going to be very successful and it's going to make a thriving underground peer-to-peer network for Bitcoin dealing better than any ATM network. So that's kind of the essence of Bitcoin is decentralized, so you can't really stop it. Even if Bitcoin was totally illegal in a particular country like Russia, it's not. But let's say it became illegal, there would still be a bunch of Bitcoin dealers and they would actually thrive and proliferate. The more you make Bitcoin illegal, the more the underground network of dealers and peer-to-peer traders thrives. So that's the interesting thing about Bitcoin. And Russia is trying to wipe out the above ground Bitcoin ATMs, but they can't wipe out the underground. That's all we have for you on this September 2nd, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com daily radio show. Go to BitcoinNews.com for the full spectrum of Bitcoin, blockchain, and crypto news every single day forever. This is your host, Space Marine, signing out, going to Alpha Centauri, activating the warp drive. Adios, amigos.